This is, I need to really get the numbers right on what podcast it is. This is the Fill the Gap podcast. I'm your host, Cody Allen, um, and I'm here today with my boy, Damon Pridgen. I just figured out it was not Damon DeLeon, which it is in my last, that's your last name on my phone, but yeah. we're going to go by Pridgen. Yeah. Um, what's yeah. up, man? Uh, before we start, before we jump in on who the hell you are, I guess who the hell I am, uh, this podcast is sponsored by Cuts Clothing. Cuts Clothing, the best men's, we'll call it work, leisure, apparel. I'm wearing their shirt. I wear everyone. I'm actually wearing their joggers too, if you guys can see on the podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Put my leg up. Uh, I don't know. I love their stuff. I've been rocking with them since 2018. I'm sure, that's five years now. Um, their stuff's just next level. Quality, fit, um, consistency. A lot of times with clothing manufacturers, you get a bunch of different cuts. That was a weird thing. You get a bunch of different fits from shirt to shirt, right? They've just been super clean, super fit. They know what they do extremely well. Um, they now have women's clothes, so you can get Rosie some stuff. Yeah, Ro- definitely. Their women's clothing is fire. I'll just say it straight up. It's very trendy. It's very hip. Uh, I'm 30. I'm about to be 32 next week, so I'm not trendy. I'm not hip, so these clothes help me <laughs> help me stay there, right? Uh, anyway, use code the Cody Allen. You get 15% off anything on your order. I just posted this new spring drop on my story and my boy Ryan just hit me. He's like, is your code still good? Blah, blah, blah. So yes, the code's good. Use the code. Um, they sponsor the podcast. I'm going to order it right after this. Exactly. See, we'll get you hooked up. Um, anyway, this is your first podcast you've ever done. Yes, sir. First one ever. First one ever. So With the legendary Cody Allen. I mean, it doesn't get any far, better. Far from that. <laughs> uh, so the fill the gap podcast, obviously we talk about just how life talk about life we talk about sports we talk about all of it you played high school football high school sports right yes sir um a lot of people ask me they're like oh like how can i get on the podcast what's the requirement you had to have played some sort of organized sports at some point in your life mm. that could be t-ball which i would i never played t-ball by the way i went straight to slow pitch baseball and i sucked at it Damn. but uh me too man i got in a wild slump in a about third year in of uh baseball got in a wild slump never got out of it and said you know the hell with this sport but it's one of those sports that i wish i had continued playing i had like you know? an eight-year slump well you're puerto rican too you're probably yes, sir, I'm puerto rican. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> i think i just had to play past the slump you know everybody yeah, got see? tested um all right man so i guess fill us in a little bit on who you are where you're from and then uh we'll jump right in so i'm damon pridgen um, I was born in Fremont, moved out to Sacramento in middle school, went to Intercom High School, uh, got my degree in psychology at Sacramento State, um, and now I do a bunch of stuff. I'm just like you, Cody. I'm an entrepreneur. Uh, I know I own, your degree in psych. That's dope. Yeah. You know, and, and it's funny because everybody always asks me, you know, also, do you use psychology with kind of like tongue in cheek in, in all the stuff that I do because I've you know had a bunch of diff- different kind of business now. And I tell them every single time. Every single business and every single thing that I do involves psychology. So, every yeah. day, every con- this fucking con- I know you're probably psychoanalyzing me right now. Uh. <laughs> now you know what the real thing is. The real, biggest takeaway from getting a psychology degree is it teaches you how to how to have empathy and to just remain open and non-judgmental with people. So basically, everybody should get a psych degree. Yeah, I mean, you know, it should be taught at least at the bare minimum in all high schools for sure. Do they teach it in high school? They didn't at Intercom, but this was, I mean, I graduated in 2010. Now I'm dating myself. I graduated in 2010. so I graduated in 2009, so I'm right there with you. Bro. <laughs> um, that's interesting, man, because I always, people always tell me, like, I have my degree in economics. 
I don't know why gas is expensive. I don't know why eggs are expensive. I don't know why who got elected to where. That's not my thing, right? right. Um, I do know a little bit of like GDP and the basic stuff that I don't use anytime. Mm-hmm. But uh, when I played football, I was always like, man, I wish I just got like a a BS comms degree, communications mm-hmm. degree, like mm-hmm. everybody else on my team because it was just the easy degree to get. Yeah. But I will say people that got comms degrees – are so far ahead of everybody else when it comes to like corporate America because the ability to communicate and to take a complex subject and convey it in a way that the masses will understand is like one of the most powerful things. That's how you become a politician, right? Definitely. That's like the ability to like talk in particular ways and enunciate and just use different words to evoke some sort of emotion. That's everything, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I just remember all my boys were just like fucking falling asleep in class and shit. <laughs> but uh, they got their degrees in it. And I, I will say if I could go back, if I could, let me ask you that question. If you could go back to school and get any degree, what would it be? I would stay right where I'm at. I wouldn't change anything that happened in school or in my life to be where I'm at today with the people who are around me and everything that's going on, you know? I think everything happened for a reason. I'm one of those guys, so. Yeah, I'd probably go back and be a doctor but yeah well <laughs> then you gotta think the trade-off of being a doctor is you get no time for yourself i don't have time for myself right now <laughs> so. but now it's on your terms you know what i mean you don't got a doc you don't got a hospital you know True. Beckoning, I, calling and you could do things remote you know right um well anyway <clears throat> we were talking off camera before obviously we talk a ton you're a fucking nerd like me yep let's just Call a spade a spade. Yes, sir. Right? You are linked into Huberman. You yeah. are. You read 10 times more than me. You bought me two books, which I'm extremely appreciative. I haven't opened either of them. It's all right. You'll get you caught one. me at a bad time, though. You caught me January. It was a busy month for me. I was traveling a ton. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, I'm going to Austin next week. If any of you guys are in Austin, of course, this will probably release in three weeks. So <laughs> if I saw any of you guys in Austin, <laughs> you didn't see me. Um, but, uh, what have you always been someone who has been like on the path? I guess you just, I don't say a path like higher learning, but like after you get out of school, high school, mm-hmm. you stop having to learn mm-hmm. for the most part, right? Mm-hmm. Like structured learning. Right. Um, then you pay to go to school, college. Most of us, not me. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you pay to go to school and you're, that's the next level up, right? And then you graduate college. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people stop doing any sort of structure working. A lot of times people stop working on themselves in general, which is a whole nother issue. Hmm. When did you start that kind of like journey of developing yourself? Have you always been that way? Like we've been hanging out all day today. We had a workout. You meditated. You wrote. Like these are things that 99% of people don't do. Yeah. So <clears throat> really COVID kicked off a lot of my change. Once COVID happened, you know, we were all at home. We all had a lot of time on our hands and we all had to busy ourselves some way, shape or form. I luckily chose pro-social behaviors such as reading, writing and meditating. And also, you know, listening to Huberman, as you said, uh, I kind of internalized all the statistics that they were putting out there and all the protocols that, you know, just to optimize our cognitive well-being you know what I mean? right because that's the first step to being successful is to get right up here 100 percent. that's know? that's why i started going to therapy that's why i started that's really why i work out people are always like you trainer i'm like no mm. i work out so that my upstairs works appropriately mm-hmm. and obviously there's a bit of vanity in it but mm-hmm. <clears throat> mostly for overall health and well- wellness i'm one of those guys who like you know i, I kind of i embody the whole you only live once thing but right. You only live once, so why not optimize every single thing that you do with your time here? You yes, I mean? that is so 
I'm sorry to cut you off. That is just so like, cause I'm, I'm 30, I turn 32 next week. Mm. So many people that I know are like, all right, cool. You're after this happened when I turned, th- I turned 30 in COVID year mm. or whatever, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. in March. So like, Damn. it was like right at the precipice of it. Yeah. I remember my 30th birthday. I was actually in Austin. It was like the last city that was open. No shit. Um, wow. But, uh, so many people are like, when you turn 30, you're done doing certain things. And I'm like, I'm just getting started. If anything, I'm more wise now. I'm smarter now. I'm more well off now. I want to do more stuff. I want to utilize my body, my mind for more things now. Right. And definitely. so I feel like that's when I should be more tactful about the, the way that I treat my body so I can get more out of it versus just being like, I don't play softball anymore because my knee hurts a little bit. Right. I don't know. Right. There are injuries, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, a lot of times it goes from not using your body. You don't use it, you lose it, people say, right? Like inactivity, I think is the, we're not going to talk about obesity or nutrition or whatever, but inactivity is probably one of the worst things for people post 30 I, in my mind. That's physical Definitely. and mental, yeah, right? I agree. Um, it's crazy. Yeah. And, it, you know, there's a lot of, uh, uh, stuff coming out from anthropology these days and they say, you know, the hunter and gatherers that, you know, were our ancestors, they did about 16,000 steps a day. And that's something that we don't do to this day. Much of us are really sedentary. You know, people are proud when they get 10,000 steps, me included, you know, and um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, metabolic disorders that have arisen because of this, you know, because of we're so inactive. That's why we got diabetes and all these things started sprouting up, you know, because the, the human body is meant for movement. Right. And, and it's just, I don't know. We as people just are always looking for, I'll speak up as Americans, right? We're always looking for the next magic pill, the next thing that will just make it so we don't have to work hard at all. And I think that we overcomplicate it personally. Yeah, for sure. I think that we are like, all right, cool. Like what's the next crazy ab wheel shaker machine that we could use? Like, why don't you just eat a little bit less than you need? And why don't you just walk outside? Just go outside. Right. Like Huberman says, like one of the most basic things that's going to improve your cognitive functioning in your life and your day is just looking at, looking into the sun, mm. getting sunlight, in the, your first part of your day, yeah. start your circadian rhythm, right? Yes, sir. Um, these are just so many things that I wish that I would have known when I was younger, you know, Same. <laughs> um, especially when you talk about health and nutrition, like from when I played football, I was eating wing stop before the game and stuff, <clears throat> bro, before, during the games, <laughs> uh, bro. Yeah. I, I had just such a poor diet. I didn't, I didn't, I knew what protein carbs, fats were right. But like, did I, mm-hmm. I definitely didn't like, know what a macro like i just wish that there was so much more and i'm sure that it was readily available it just wasn't i didn't access it and i didn't like put it into my routine right so anyway um and you know part part of that too was that they didn't we didn't have a wide array of dissemination of, of information as we do now right. now we have a dude like andrew Hurman who's actually giving us the statistical facts behind things you know there's plenty of people on youtube who also do the same thing that Hurman does you know so we have more avenues for to obtain this information now true and and a lot of these studies kind of just came out within the last 10 years as well uh that is a crazy thing about access to information right so like one thing I just saw a TikTok on it actually. This dude said, uh, I love the generation that I grew up in because I had 
no cell phones growing up. And then I had cell phones in like a high school, like the iPhone came out in what, 2006 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we didn't have social media. Then we had MySpace. And he said, he said, I got to watch top eights ruin friendships. Kids now, oh, kids now, if they saw what a top eight was, they'd be like, they'd cancel MySpace because they're like, this is so insensitive. You can't rank friends. Like, oh, yeah. we literally used to rank friends based on like how they treated us that day. It was petty. There was like a difference between like guys, like guys would get like a top eight and it'd be like more stoic, like it would stay there. Mm-hmm. Uh, girls could literally change based off of uh, happenings of the weekend. <laughs> Um, and then you get to college, Facebook started, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got four locos, the oh. good ones. Uh, we've had a bunch of good shit, but at the same time, man, if you got in like early, I'm talking about access to information, like YouTube was what, 2006. Mm. If you're an early adopter of that, then like those people would make millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. Uh, you could do it now, obviously still too, if you just have something relevant to say. Yeah. Um, way more competition way more uh, noise exactly and there's always that's something to be said about that is that is all information out there viable Mm -hmm. right there's some dude out there right now that has a million followers and gets 50 million views a month that just sits in his backyard with his asshole pointing up at the sun (laughs) right and that guy is like an expert in his field so that's something that i mean i don't know who am I to say who's right and wrong? I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Let's give me some sort of superpower. I'm not going <laughs> to do it. Right. You look like liver King, right? Yeah. Liver King. Like, right. Like <clears throat> who, who's at fault, right? Mm. Is it the people that were dumb enough to believe him, mm. Or does he assume some sort of responsibility for like duping people? Mm. I mean, I don't know. Consumers are, that is a crazy thing. It's like a crazy thing about like sports, right? So, in sports and life, in business, there are what we call like um, authorities within the space, right? Yep. You look at your football coach and you're like, all right, you know everything about football. I'm going to trust and listen to you. Mm-hmm. We don't really do a lot of, especially when you're younger, a lot of like background checks. Like, do you really know what the fuck you're talking about? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can candidly say that I had some football coaches that I were probably not smart. Right. Right? Right. <clears throat> not even just book smart, just like not football smart. <laughs> right. They got the job because of one reason or another. That's fine. Um, now as a hmm, smarter adult, mm-hmm. um, I do my checks and balances on people, right? Like right. I think that's super important. I think that people should do that in general, especially as you get older, you should do it when you're younger. Um, but you're not as wise. You don't, you're not as smart. And now we right? have the technology to do so. Right. You and know. so like, but now you have people that are like, still like, yeah, this guy ate fucking pig testicles <laughs> yeah. and got shredded right so it's like people have access to information but a lot of those people are willfully ignorant or willfully naive like Mm -hmm. people know that the answer to like being healthier is living healthier but they're like i can go smash taco bell drink um as much as i want on the weekends but as long as i choke down some pig testicles or bull testicles on sunday (laughs) i'll be good by monday yeah right so it's like who does the onus fall on all right and to your point there is a lot of misinformation out there i would almost guess to say that there's more misinformation than actual good information out there and it's up to you to decide it's up to the the viewer to you know to really take your attention into your own control you know attend to things that are are you, you have to vet them, of course, but attend to things that are going to benefit you. And, you know, the bull test school thing, that's, I mean, you got to, you got to vet it. 
you know that's why right. the authority figure comes in so bigly and that's why like i'm big on a dude like huberman because he's a sanford professor and he cites all of his sources make sure people are citing their sources that's a big thing yeah and it's always talking about like what's more optimal right mm-hmm. when we talk about like efficiency like people always tell me like they ask me rather like what supplement could i take to put on muscle mm-hmm. and i say there are a lot of steps prior to taking a single supplement to put on muscle, right? Right. They're like, right. all right, well, what should I eat? Like you could start by just eating whole natural single ingredient foods, right? Um, go a step back further from that. You could focus on your sleep management, stress management, just all these other things that have play a massive role on your body's ability to synthesize muscle proteins and, and get bigger. If right, that's you're a guy trying to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> speaking of which you're vegan. Yes, sir. How long have you been, been vegan? Uh, a little bit over a year now. Oh, it's only been that long? Yeah. Um, What was the reason for the switch, and how do you feel now? You're 30 now? Yes. And then when you did maybe like early, late, in your later 20s? So I, I would have kind of digestive problems, but like, you know, typical digestive problems, like right. uh, with, with all the things that Pepto-Bismol covers up right. is the symptoms that I would experience, right, and right, the heartburn, right. the indigestion and stuff. One time I had, I ate some pizza, and I was so, I had so much indigestion that I felt sick, like I had a fever or flu, and that's how my body reacted. Okay. And I, so I, I ended up um, figuring out that it was indigestion. I counterbalanced that with mustard. mustard. It's an old school thing that my dad told me to do, just take some mustard if you got indigestion. But, you know, our, our society is really used to just covering up symptoms instead of listening to our body. <sighs> And oh, yeah. I was I was the type of dude to eat meat every single meal, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We're eating something with meat on the plate, right. and then I didn't really correlate that with my energy levels because I would have to drink two cups of coffee a day, and I just thought this was normal. And I just took it. So, and that's the thing is, once I went vegan after you know a month or so, I started feeling a different. I'm like, wow, I'm not I'm not tired so much all all the time now, and I'm thinking way clearer, and I have more energy for everything that I want to do in life. So that's what really pushed me over the edge, you know, and, and that's right. why I, I just kept doing it, man. And now, now I, I, I incorporated, I'm still 90% plant-based, but I do have meat and fish like once a week because I need the, uh, the enzymes that come from those things. Right. Yeah. Cause BCAAs, more, certain, sort of, certain more complete protein, yes, right? Yep, yep, yep. <clears throat> Your chain amino acids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, obviously I'm a guy, I own a fucking barbecue rub seasoning company, right? I'm a meat. Which, which is awesome, by the way. <laughs> I put it on some salmon last night, some some of the rubs, some of your rubs from yeah, Cusco see, Cuts. Man. I put it on salmon, it was fire. So I obviously am on the opposite end of the spectrum. I'm a big red meat kind of guy. You know, I get my levels tested every few months and mm. cholesterol's in check, all of that. It's good. But I will say that people need to eat to what they need out of their body. Mm. So many people come in and they just gorge themselves on this massive amount of food. They see a spike in their what insulin levels or blood sugar, and they get that that um, midday lull or that lull right after they eat. Right, mm-hmm. that that crash. Mm-hmm. Um, people always think that it's like, well, like it's the big meal. It's like, well, if you had a big salad, that wouldn't elicit a, the same response, right? Right. You're having this big steak. Or this big burger, um, this is like a carbs, fat, sugar, protein thing all together. Mm-hmm. But it's like a lot of times people don't understand. Like you were talking about yourself, like you ate to fuel your body for what you needed, right? You get older, you have a more sedentary lifestyle. You don't need to be smashing 4,000 calories of like a burger, a steak, right. whatever it is, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people are just out there still eating for that. So it's interesting, man. Like, Especially like when, when you, 
I think from like a morality standpoint, it's, there's nothing that you can really refute, right? Like it's a, who's more important people or animals thing. Like right. obviously, um, it is more immoral to eat animals, right? Yeah. It's just like, how, do you, how can you argue that? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you have to look at it from the standpoint of like, all right, it's us or them. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, when you talk about just from a nutrition standpoint, there's so many arguments to be made either way. Mm-hmm. Obviously I'm, a eat per, for performance, especially like what I'm training right now, the way that I'm training right now, um, the way that we trained this morning. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so you need calories, you need all your macronutrients, you got to hit them all, but it's just interesting to see that you had a reason as to why. Cause mm. a lot of people will come in and they'll be like, I'm vegan because, uh, saving the planet type thing or whatever. Right. Right. Not thinking like, all right, like what's like the immediate reason, you right. know, it's like, I feel better. Right. When I don't, that's like when people say that they do like, um, carnivore, mm-hmm. right. They're saying like, I feel better. I have more energy because they're cut out carbs completely. They're cutting out, um, all those processed foods. I think the biggest determining factor for me is always the more, the fewer ingredients, the less processed, the better I feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's on, that's not like a one-time thing. That's like, if you can string on string together a bunch of days, weeks, mm-hmm. even the months, mm-hmm. I just feel better. Mm-hmm. Um, these are things that I wish I would have known when I played football. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Me too, man. So another thing that brought me to the vegan uh, side is um, I read a book called <clears throat> How Not to Die by Michael Gerber. Michael mm-hmm. Gerber is the founder of NutritionFacts.org. And he was, you know, the studies that he uh, displays for you in that book is just uh, you can't eat the meat after that and feel like you're doing your body justice. You right. know, because I am. And but that's the thing. I'm optimizing for longevity. I want to live long. I want to live a long, fruitful life. And I, you know, that probably came from my parents. My mom had me when she was 40. My dad was already 48, 49. So I could kind of already see the effects of certain lifestyles as you get older. And right. I want my later years to be as optimal as they can be. And I want to give myself the best chance to live long and to live well, not just live long and be on all these pills and be feeling like shit the whole time. You know what I mean? I want to live well, be able to hang out with my kids and my grandkids and just be able to live life and enjoy our, our short time here. That's crazy, man. Or it's, it's not crazy in the sense that like a lot of people don't, a lot of people might think that, but they don't actually plan for it, right? Because you made a comment earlier about how America just tries to put a Band-Aid on so much shit. And mm-hmm. we can get into big pharma and get into how society operates and it's a lot harder to make changes in your life because yeah. we think so short-term, not long-term. Um, but at the end of the day, um, the human body is so... I was just talking to a girl about this. Just about, oh, I was talking to somebody. I was like, human body so fucking crazy, man. Like two girls can hang out for a couple weeks together and their periods will just sync up. Mm. Right? Mm. Mm. Like we don't, like you can cut your leg and your body will just heal itself. Mm-hmm. Like we don't, we take it for granted so much. Right? right? right. Human body is absolutely insane. Um, and I just think we kind of treat it like shit. Yeah. We could treat it like shit because that's like the standard, right? Even like, <clears throat> and do what you want as a person. Right. Of course. But even like drinking alcohol, alcohol is literally a toxin that you only drink it so that you can start to feel poisoned a little bit. Right. Yep. Off balance. Yep. Your inhibitions are loosened up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Maybe your vision's a little blurred. Mm-hmm. Like it's literally poison. Yeah. Right. Which is fine. Drink it. I've drank more than most. I guarantee it. Um, <laughs> and it's just like, that plays into what do you want out of your body and what do you want out of your mind, right? Because mm. you could do the drag race lifestyle, right? Where you just go balls to the wall 
and you just hit that 100 meters as fast as you can and you live fast, die hard quick. Mm-hmm. Or you could be like more timid and find different joys in life, but like you never swung from the rafters from a nightclub drunk as hell or whatever yeah shit people do right but like maybe you lived a longer life because that wasn't a big part of your life right um i don't know man it's just it's very i'm big on like free will for people but it is very interesting to see like the different paths that people take yeah and you know it's just human nature um human nature is just going to tell us and you know this comes all the way from back from anthropology where you know we had to prioritize the short term because i mean people didn't really live that long right or they didn't really develop their brains long enough to get the prefrontal cortex active to really even understand that there's like (laughs) more life right right? exactly so now that we know how to do things a little bit better i think that's why some of us will optimize for the long term but then you're still going to have your camp that says you know what you only live once and they'll take it the other way they'll say you only live once so i'm going to do all the all the fun stuff and that's the thing that people don't do they don't put off fun you know the yeah. people don't put off fun and that's why they eat just for fun because they right. eat for taste so i've just i've took it a, a stoic uh, mindset when i have my with my relationship to food and i think that's what sustained me with my changes and why i'm able to be vegan for a year plus because right. i'm not really prioritizing taste like that you know what i mean taste is such a fleeting reward to me that i'm not gonna eat something that will land me in the hospital in 20, 30 years. Like, you know, burgers and fries every single day. You know what I mean? Um, tuck your chain into your shirt. It might be hitting the mic. Oh, damn. Just a heads up. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I'm all for, like, somebody just, I did one of those question things on my Instagram story last night, and somebody mm-hmm. asked, like, what's your don't care about nutrition value, like, cheat meal, go-to, like, bad-for-you meal? And it's like... I'm somebody that's struggled with like my weight my entire life. Mm. Um, I've always used food as a coping mechanism. Mm. Um, especially after my parents divorce, I, it's funny cause like I would see, um, mm. you know, you had a picture every single year for school. Right. Mm. And so like kindergarten looked like a normal quote unquote normal kid. Mm. First grade. Okay. Whatever. But then like second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, you just saw me balloon up. Mm. And my mom even gained a ton of weight in that time frame too. Mm. Um, and it was from a lot of the trauma that my parents' relationship was. And then my dad leaving at sit when I was sick. I haven't seen my dad since I was six years old. Mm. Um, He's missing out. Ah, But uh, <clears throat> it is, it's just crazy how good food is. That's a fucked up thing, right? Yeah, food yeah, is yeah. so good. Yeah, like, yeah. in and out is so good. Fire, fire. Um, and don't get it twisted. I still have my cheat meals, and right, I still have my times where I do prioritize taste. I'm not like a whole totally saint. Like I said, 90% Fucking of the time. weird. I'll just eat apples, right? <laughs> 90% of the time, I'll, I'll make good decisions. But, like, you know, I will let myself have. Just the other night, I was looking at ho-hos, and I was telling my girlfriend, man, I haven't had these in so long. Bro. So I went and had it. And then what happened? It messed me up, and I felt the consequences of the next day. So it reinforced that, you know, you probably shouldn't be eating this. But you Of know, course. The big thing is is relationship with food right and that's not that's relationship with any vice yes sir that's relationship with food that's relationship with drugs that's relationship with sex that's relationship with alcohol Mm -hmm. like when are you turning to these things and are you self-aware enough to realize why you are turning to them Mm. because if you're self enough to realize why you're turning to them then you can might be able to correct the behavior right Mm -hmm. um being proactive versus being reactive. Right, exactly. Like if I know that every single time I go home to my mom's house and I'm stressed the fuck out, I eat like shit. Hmm. I'm like, all right, anytime I get into stressful situations, I tend to binge eat because hmm. my thing's always binge eating, right? When I was a kid, I used to, 
starved myself all day because hmm. I was so self-conscious about how I look because I was always, I was like obese. Well, I, don't, I don't know, technical. I mean, technically I'm still obese now hmm. uh, by BMI, <laughs> but I was like 150, 100, close to 160 pounds in fifth grade. I was a big kid. I, was I got, the, I got the stretch marks to prove it. Yeah. Um, yeah, me too. And I uh, <clears throat> hit puberty in middle school, thinned out, whatever. Mm-hmm. Got good at sports. I was also horrible at sports back then, but hmm. it's not a topic for another time. <laughs> um, but I still always viewed myself, and even to this day a little bit, I'm sure, view myself as that that fat little fifth grader, right? Mm. Hmm. Um and so then I look back at my habits when I was a kid and I would like not eat all day because I was at school all day mm. and I didn't want to eat around the kids at school because I didn't want them to think that I was fat. I didn't want them to think that I ate a lot. So I was always stressed, especially about food. Mm. I'd get home. I'd have this big grand adult meal. Like I'm eating, too, like I'm talking about calories in calories. out. I was eating way too much for mm. a fourth, fifth grader. Mm. And then at night after everybody would go to sleep, I would eat again by myself. Like it'd be like milkshakes. It'd be like leftovers. It'd be like whatever I could get my hands on because I was hungry. Right. But then I would just over binge eat at Mm. night. Mm. And this was a pattern for 10 plus years of my life. I did it throughout high school. Um, Mm. And it was because I related, related food with like shame, um, embarrassment, like a ton of different things. Right. And it wasn't until like maybe even like five years ago that I got a handle on like my relationship with food. I still obviously can fall off the edge. Mm-hmm. I just showed you that video of me this morning from right. a year ago right. where I was super overweight, like probably right after surgery, right? Yeah. Um, and so because I was super stressed, I was super depressed and I was eating, I was eating just like nobody's mm-hmm. business. Right. Mm-hmm. You see the same thing for people, alcoholism, similar things, not the same sexes, sexaholics, drug addicts, any sort of addict, right? Or any sort of person that turns to a particular vice. I'm all for like, if you want to have ice cream every night, just understand why you're having it. Mm-hmm. If you want to have a drink, shouldn't do it every night, but if you want to have a drink or whatever while with your friends, understand why you're doing it, you know? Mm. Um, so know, know your triggers. <clears throat> for sure. For sure. Know your triggers. Know if you can establish what a trigger, what your triggers are, then you can almost identify healthier ways to cope with it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on the flip side, conversely, there's people that work out too much because they get super stressed and they go punish themselves in the gym. Right. Yeah. That has a negative effect on your mental and yes. your physical even too. Yes, sir. Um, have you dealt with, have you been able to identify like any triggers or maybe coping mechanisms that weren't good in yourself that you've I have a coping mechanism right now that I can't get over because it's, it's, a, it's a picking disorder. So if you ever looked at me closely, you'll notice that my thumbs are kind of like chafed a little bit. So okay. what happens when, when I'll be trying to intensely focus on something, subconsciously I'll just sit here and I'll pick at my fingers like this. Okay. And then by the time I knew it, I was like, damn it, I did it again. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay. And that came from, I think, I used to bite my nails a lot. And so I stopped biting my nails, but I think my body still needed a way to kind of uh, um, climatize itself. You know what I mean? It was when I'm feeling a certain amount of anxiety, Anxiety, I do this and then I can focus and figure things out. You know what I mean? So it's all about, like you said, trying to replace that behavior. But they say it's easier just to add a new behavior on top of it. So like maybe instead of when I notice myself picking, I'll do a, a, a deep breath. A double inhale, you know what I mean? A physiological size, you remember what to say, you know? Yeah, and that's crazy, or not crazy, but that's interesting because, like, 
that would be deemed a healthier, right? It's not yes. destructive to your body or yes, whatever. Um, a healthier way to cope with something. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people just don't know about him. Mm. So we've talked about Andrew Huberman multiple times on this podcast. Mm-hmm. I believe he's a very smart dude. Yeah. And I think that he puts out a ton of great free information. That's the whole point of his podcast um, to really help people understand and identify how their body works inside and out. Right. Right. Um, and to put together best practices on leaving a healthier, more sustainable lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, so check them out people. If you haven't, <clears throat> um, but I wonder where we get, like why we pick up on these particular like, coping mechanisms, right? Like when I think back about like my parents getting divorced and then ultimately my dad leaving, which is a whole thing. Um, like why, like, was it just like I, the first time that I felt sadness, I happened to pick up a cheeseburger and I was like, this is good. This is comfort. This is what I want. You know? Um, it sounds, sounds about right. And yeah. That, is it like thing. a timing thing? Like if I had just, if that trauma had happened to me later in life and I had had sex with someone right after, would I always turn to sex as like a comfort? Right. Cause you see that as well in people, right. Now, and behaviorism in psychology, they would say yes. Right. You know, okay. They yeah. would say exactly it's the stimulus that you're doing preceding this that makes you feel better. You're gonna c- keep doing whatever made you feel better. So it's just luck. I mean, I guess it's. I'm not a drug addict, so I, yeah. There are worse vices and right, worse exactly. ways to cope. You know what I mean? Um. So yeah, it's interesting, man. Because I remember back in that time of my life, and we talk about sports on here. We talk about how, um, that relates to life, and I think that I I truly believe that your coach in high school is one of like the most influential people in your lives. Hmm. Good and bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. They can make you hate sports. They can make you love sports. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They can make you hate others. They make a lot of different, they can make you distrusting of authoritarian figures in your life. Mm-hmm. They can make you too trusting. Like there should be a better degree or not degree. There should be a, like a better vetting system for a lot of coaches out there. Cause you are so influential in people's lives. Right. Um, and I, I just remember say, going for, back further than that for me personally, the one, the coaches who influenced me most were my little league coaches. Right. When I first started playing football at nine years old, you know? And, uh, yeah, I got a good story about that because, uh, I, I, like I said, I grew up in Fremont and when I played for Fremont football league, I played for a team called the Rams. Our head coach was a name, a man named coach Marshall and coach Marshall was ex-military. So he, he, the reason I'm always saying, yes, sir, you know, thank you, sir, is because he's instilled the, that in us. He, instead of saying, yes, coach, no coach, it was right. yes, sir, or, or no, sir, or you did down-ups. So it's like, you know, he, he brought, he already has us doing good behaviors like that, that I've actually, to this day, people are like, oh, why are you always calling me, you know, calling me, sir? You know, anybody's older than me or anybody I respect, I'm yes, sir, no, sir. You know yeah, I, mean? I always say that to people and people are always like, oh, we're in the military. I'm exactly. like, no, it's I get just that like, a lot. I think I get it from football probably, right? Right, right, right. Uh, it's a term of respect and endearment. Um, so to your point, man, it's all, you know, uh, if we could have a way to vet these coaches a little bit better. Yeah. But I mean, honestly too, it's when it comes to coaching, you kind of got to take what you can get. You know what I mean? Cause these guys are a lot of times, especially little league coaches, they're doing this for free. They right. Got whole I, I coached for families. a year for free and it was, it's a lot. They it's ask a lot, a lot of you. Yeah. Um, it is just, it is just super interesting to think that not even just like, just like me and you, uh, obviously a coach, you touch more lives at once right because Mm. you get a group of young men or women Mm -hmm. um but somebody told me the other day like they're like you don't realize how impactful you are on a a certain individual on a daily basis right Mm. like i have particular people around me that i'm around 
more frequently mm-hmm. that I've had a more profound impact on. Mm. Um, and it is just, it just makes you always want to be the best person you are. Whenever I go to a grocery store, whenever I go to a restaurant, whenever I go anywhere, you're rubbing off through osmosis on that person every single time that every interaction that you have, like you got to make sure it's a positive one, right? Because people are constantly surrounded by a million negative things on a daily basis, including their own thoughts. Mm -hmm. So if you can leave a positive interaction on somebody, I used to work in the bank and I just remember every person that goes into a bank to sit down with a banker, they have something wrong. Nobody's like, Hey, you know what? Here's a million dollar check. Want to hang out? You know? Yeah. Um, it's always like you fucked up this, you fucked up that Uh, this happened to me. Can you help me out? Mm. And so that was a great learning experience for me because I'd come in, people would come in with issues and I'd do everything that I could to try to help them or make Mm. them feel better about it when Mm. they left the branch. Mm. Um, And I just think that most people should try to focus on making sure that they leave positive interactions on other people because yeah, maybe I'm not like focusing all on myself, but there's somebody out there that's going to leave a positive interaction with me. Right. And I can't tell you how many times I've gone out like to dinner and I'm like, you know, that waitress was super fucking nice, Mm. you know, or that Mm -hmm. waiter was super nice or the person at the bank was super nice. And I think that that will, that does make my day better, you know? Um, and that's obviously like a small, tiny sample size. We're talking, we were talking earlier about coaching and like you're with these kids for possibly years, Mm -hmm. but like, I think everybody can just do a better job of like making small positive impacts on people on a daily basis. You know, my rule of thumb is to, uh, always interact with people as if, I may pass away tomorrow or I may pass away after this interaction. Even when I'm interacting with you, I want to be here and present so much so and impart on you whatever value that I think I can help you out with. And that's just because, you know, I take a stoic view of, of life and stuff and, you know, nothing is promised. You know what I mean? So and I want to my lasting impression always has to be positive with people. Right. And, and I think that helps me, you know, and that's helped me show up for people. It I does. Keep that at the forefront of my brain. It is absolutely. Um petrifyingly fearful, fearsome mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. to think like I could get in my car on the way to the grocery store today and die. Right. 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 And there's so much that's been left unsaid. There's mm. so much that's been left undone. And so you really do need to live life like it is your last moment every single time because there's so much petty shit that we hold on a daily basis that just like isn't worth it. Yeah. A lot of the stuff we worry about and stress over at the end of the day, it's not that serious. It's literally not that serious. Most things aren't that serious, yes. man. Like, and especially when you look at things in the big span of life. I mean, I think there's something like 70,000 generations of people in our lineage. So we have 70,000 ancestors, right. right? And you gotta think our time on earth is just a blip of that so existence. So finite. So I, that's just, that's how I live, man. Well, smart by you, good by you. Um, we gotta wrap this up. We've been going a bit which just flew by you're really fucking good at this um <laughs> so you, we'll man. definitely no, do it again you. uh let the people know where they can find you on socials on on everything yeah i'm so i'm dame in prison on linkedin okay and i'm dame fast on instagram okay so if they can both follow me there i'll follow them back and yeah we can continue engaging some good conversations right. so you guys heard it here obviously follow dame on everything cuts clothing sponsors use code the cody allen and I will figure out what episode this is (laughs) when we catch up. We'll have to do it again, man. It was fun. Thank you.